Okay, so we're going to go fast, guys, and so that Jimmy can go see this movie, right? Okay. And I then, appreciate it. And we'll be able to uh, review it next week, hopefully. Which movie are you seeing, Jimmy? Glass. Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 69. Giggity. Is that all we're going to get out of you this whole episode? Well, Greg said he wouldn't. He wasn't going to let me host. I I have no idea why. <laughs> Not this episode. 69! <laughs> This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Greg, and there is no way in hell that I was going to let Rob host episode 69. Oh, come on! <laughs> For Thank obvious you. reasons. Yeah, careers, families, <laughs> uh, police, I don't know, something. But I am here with Jimmy. Hello. And Rob. 69! <laughs> he will only <laughs> say that for the entire episode. 69. We discuss <laughs> pop culture, entertainment, and a little bit of nostalgia. This week, we've got Gotham, The Night Eats the World, and True Detective Season 3, and Jimmy giggling. <laughs> Sorry, I just picture Rob as like a dressed up as Hodor, and he's like perverted Hodor, and he just said, <laughs> he just said 69 with 69? different infle- inflections. 69? <laughs> Okay. 69. This is a review show, guys, and there will probably, there will definitely be spoilers this week. We will try to avoid any major twists. So if we are talking about something you haven't seen, read, listened to yet, or you haven't seen the trailer and made your own assumptions, then you might uh, want to join us later. Uh, use your own discretion, guys. Yeah, we're going to probably talk about a couple trailers, and I, I have some ideas based on knowing some things from the comics, and I don't want to... 69? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is going to be a hard one to get through. It is. Nothing? Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> anyway. God. So anyway, yeah, there, there's going to be some trailers coming up that I have some yep. ideas based on the comics, and we'll talk about that, but you'll you'll get a warning, hopefully. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, anything new, guys? I have been on a... Oh, jeez. I've been 69. on... I bet... Oh. What you might call, like, a true crime kick. Um, Welcome to the club. Yeah. And I watched a um, a documentary, a, a Nat, National Geographic documentary on Netflix called um, Russia's Toughest Prisons. I don't... I, I don't know why. But man, don't ever commit a crime in Russia. They they have dogs there that are the size of bears that are the guard dogs. Um they're a, a particularly aggressive breed. Um they interviewed a, a guy one of the most notorious prisoners. Um they interviewed he killed and ate two people. And, I heard about uh, that guy, I forgot his name. Yeah, it's something very Russian. But he not only killed and ate one person, but he gave some of the human meat to his friend's family and said it was kangaroo and the mother fed it to her children. Oh, so, um, whenever they move these guys from one spot to another, they make them walk in a stress position. I mean, they deserve it. Um, 
but with like their hands bent at the waist with their hands above their head behind their backs and blindfolded um when they take them for their like 15 minutes of outdoor recreation in a little cell it's i think it's fascinating um so that's what i got check it out wow. yeah you know this is actually funny because back before the internet and back for all that stuff when i did comic strips and all that my production company was called gulag productions mm, yeah and the tagline was in in russia it's prison and like all i knew about what a gulag was was what you could get out mm-hmm. of the dictionary like you looked it up and it was like oh it's a russian prison but to know any more about it because you couldn't just go online and google it you would have had to go and like go to a library or just happen into an article or something. Mm-hmm. But then I think my next real time I bumped into it was at like a, a Henry Rollins spoken word thing where he was talking about like Russian criminals. They're bad news, man. Yeah. They're not allowed to sit for 16 hours a day. Yeah. There's like in, a, in one of the prisons, they featured three in that documentary. Yeah. I'm sure that one of these guys is a uh, Russian uh, Mikhail Popkov. Who's the uh, police officer that that killed like fifty six women, or if not more? He's probably in there, but they didn't talk to him. This um... that was that was actually kind of recent. Like they just caught him, the Angersk maniac. Oh. Yeah, no, he wasn't in it. But uh, yeah, I don't go to Russian prisons. Yeah. Nope, that sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. Now, did you guys completely unrelated to Russian prisons? <laughs> did you guys see the trailers? The trailer for Ghostbusters three? I did not. Oh, there's, there's a trailer. There's for a it? surprise Ghostbuster movie coming out in 2020. Uh, I don't know if it's called Ghostbuster Three, but that's basically what it is. Uh, it is helmed in the or set in the original universe, and it is helmed by Jason Reitman, who is the son of Ivan Reitman. Uh, the, it's, Appropriate, yeah, yeah. The trailer itself, uh, it's more of a teaser. It's not. There's no character. There's no people in it. Basically, it's a barn. It looks a lot like the barn that they were fixing the uh, the time machine from Back to the Future in. Kind of out in the middle. Of yeah, nowhere. it does. And there's you know lightning flashing and stuff like that, and the camera goes into there at a very slow pace, and then inside of it there's something underneath a cloth, and the cloth blows off, and it is the original Ecto one, and you know it's it, what is oh that's the trailer in the background I'm here, but it looks like it could be pretty good. Um, I saw I think Rob and I both saw the the reboot or remake of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, we saw it. that's why I didn't see it. <laughs> well, we saw it in the theater. It wasn't none of us cared about the casting. I just think that the humor didn't sit. It was no. it, it was part of the charm of Ghostbusters. When you saw it the first time, it was good, and then every time you saw it, it became more and more quotable and funnier. Right. Like the yep the the sequence with the uh, the psychic card thing became funnier every single time you saw it. Uh, and I remember. Go ahead. I was going to say, and while I while I didn't necessarily agree with you know all the people who were complaining that you know the Ghostbusters being women was an issue, I, that that didn't bother me at all. But they did have a point in that in that um, it was kind of like it was kind of like reverse in a way where if if I look at a movie and I say, all right, if I replace all of these characters with with like white men and replace all of these characters with with insert minority here is this movie racist that movie in fact was because if if you replaced if you replaced all of the female with white males and replace all of the non-female lead parts with with either women or minorities or something like that that movie would have been picketed and they would have they would have 
complained about it nonstop. Hmm. And and there was there was definitely some validity to that argument. Like who who was Ernie Hudson in the original Ghostbusters? Uh, he was Winston Zedmore. Yeah, so Zedmore in the original Ghostbusters, he was another Ghostbuster that mm-hmm. just showed up a little bit later in the movie, and they didn't make a big deal out of it. But the Leslie Jones, right? I think that's what. Yeah, like her character was almost a stereotype of inner city black woman. Where if they had done it differently, it, yeah, you're you're sort of right. But I honestly, I whether even beyond that, I just thought it was like it was fart jokes and over the top yeah. fart jokes and. And the male secretary, if if that had been women and the male secretary had been a female, it would have been incredibly sexist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that stuff never bothers me in general. But and I, but well, yeah. no, but I, I I was just saying that there was definitely some validity to like, the argument. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's true. I uh, I watched the teaser um, and I got major major goosebumps as I was immediately transported back to the. Um, beauty salon where my mom used to work at and I would sit in the chairs while she was finishing up work watching Ghostbusters on TV. Uh, so that's super cool. I can't wait. Yeah. Apparently somebody let it slip that that was coming. Uh, either Dan Aykroyd or yeah, Dan Aykroyd spoiled the news months ago by accident. So I'm guessing the original cast has something to do with it too. So Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, that'd be awesome. Hmm. Um, I wonder. I wonder if they decided to go with the original story that had been floating out there that I've heard about for years. What's with that? The, uh, with the Ghostbusters actually handing the reins over to a new group, where they're like basically training the replacement, so to speak. That'd be fun. I think that actually would be kind of cool because then you see like the new group as the as us, like the everyman, realizing, mm-hmm. oh crap, this is real. Yeah, yeah. But again, hard to do without Harold Ramis now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they feel like maybe there's a new threat and they feel like they have to come back, but nobody knows how to do it and they're too old to do it. So they pass on the torch Yeah, and they've lost mm. Egon or whatever for, for whatever reason, but they should totally have the ghost of Egon help. Oh, that'd be, I think he, I think he'd appreciate that. So that was one. Uh, then there was another trailer that dropped out of nowhere that Rob texted us about. And that is the Spider-Man far oh, from home trailer. Yeah. So he's not dead. Yeah, I well, that was the first thing I thought too. I was like, "Well, wait a minute, we haven't resolved the Avengers storyline yet." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyone that he's already got a movie coming out. But anyone that's seen the money that the first one made knows that he's not dead. <laughs> He'll be back by the time that movie is slated to come out. So, what do you yes. think of the trailer? So, I thought it looked really good. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal shows up. I don't, I didn't, I don't really know who he's supposed to be. But uh, Spider-Man goes on a trip to Europe and meets Nick Fury, and it looks very Spider-Man. It looks very Homecoming, and I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, so I am definitely looking forward to seeing this one in the theater. So Jake Gyllenhaal is Mysterio. Okay. That's mm-hmm. that's not a spoiler. That is... He's Rey Mysterio. Yes. So he it was he is a 3D or a special effects wizard that kind of works in... <laughs> special effects wizard. Yeah, that kind of works in hard light holograms. That so they're holograms that actually can do stuff or something along those lines. And uh, Rob, so what do you think? Um, I thought it looked interesting. Um, I I did have one or two questions, and I'll probably have to ask you, being the resident comic nerd. Um, the it I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like Spider Man, um, and it looks like everything I enjoyed from the last movie. 
but as far as Mysterio goes, um, did Mysterio actually have magic powers? Because it sure looks like he's flying in in the most recent in the trailer. Yeah, I think there was some like let me see. I I think it was one of those like gimmicks where he was he was already good at special effects and then he got super powered somehow. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those like found an artifact or something along those lines. It's it's a little different because I think the first time I ever really saw him was in the cartoon and it was different than in the comic. Mm-hmm. But he does but have even, some even sort under of power. The description, it, even under the description, it never really said that he had that he had superpowers. It was he he was basically a science villain, at least from what I've what I've read as far as his description is like he he used gas almost like Scarecrow, like a confusing gas. And sometimes gas would dissolve Spider-Man's webs and stuff like that. And he had special equipment, but nothing nothing ever said that he had like any kind of special powers, which was kind of why I was like, yeah, there's like different origins. In one origin, he's a mutant, but they really can't they couldn't use mutant for a long time in the movies. I think that deal, the Disney Fox deal, actually went through. Uh, one, if you look at the trailer, there's at one point that some of the stuff does look like Doctor Strange's magic. There's like the little green triangles going around. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. So there there might be some magic side of it where he, maybe he found like just like the first spider-man where the, not the first one but the um homecoming mm-hmm. where they were using weapons that were found from the aliens maybe there's some sort of artifact that was found um but here here's the spoiler side of things i think that there is a hidden villain in that because there's a couple things i think and like i said if you guys want to jump ahead out there i understand yeah so before you say that uh Mysterio shows up, right? Yeah. yeah. And he he tells Spider-Man, he says, you don't want any part of this. And he starts battling this water monster. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of different elemental creatures. There's a water monster, there's a fire one, there's a wind one. So I'm like, oh, he's a good guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and that was that was what I thought the uh, what, when I saw the trailer. And my my thought is is are they going to basically do the not ambiguous but you know what i mean the ambiguous villain like they did in the first one where he's a villain but he's not necessarily a villain you know what i mean mm-hmm. um where he's he's actually trying to help but because of his interactions or whatever with spider-man it kind of pushes him over the edge to the dark side yeah so i am your father i well here uh, so here here's the spoiler part i think that the that all of the villains that you are seeing in that trailer the big elemental ones i think they are created by mysterio <gasps> For him dun, dun, dun. to battle, to show, to think, to make people think that he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess well, what that? Work like, on me. That's just a guess because the other villains, they, those characters do have names. They are the elementals. It's like Hydron and I forget what the other ones are. Megatron. Hellfire or something like that. But Jetfire. Wrong series. So they uh, they do that. And I'm guessing that that's kind of the, the point that there, it's not just a straight up action movie that you know, it's that Mysterio is going to be doing this stuff to try to get himself in the good graces of people. Some misdirection. Yes. I also think that Nick Fury isn't Nick Fury because I can understand that. Yeah. One, the appearance, how Nick Fury appears and, you know, basically just shoot someone in the neck in the trailer. But one of Spider-Man's very first villains ever was a character named Chameleon, who's a master of disguise. Uh, he's, he's oh wow! He's Russian, and there is a character in the the, the list that's got a Russian name, like Sergey or something. And 
upon breaking out of some sort of Russian prison, I'm assuming. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, his mind is shattered. No, he, uh, because if you look at Nick Fury, he's not Nick Fury of now. He's wearing his shield stuff and shield doesn't exist anymore. So he's Nick, wow, Fu- he's Nick Fury of like, well, I can get this old discarded shield uniform. So I'm going to wear that. Well, well, but by the same token, you can't really go by that because right now Spider-Man doesn't exist either. But it exists more than Shield. Right, but that's not to say that Avengers Endgame won't reestablish Shield. So yes, that's that's a fair point. However, Nick Fury did appear the same way that he appeared in in the trailer in this at the end of Iron Man where he just kind of mm-hmm. showed up at Tony Stark's house. So and and basic and, and yes, he does shoot Ned, but he puts him to sleep with a tranquilizer. So well, yeah, it's not like that. he, it's not like he shot him, shot him. I mean, he put him to sleep with a tranquilizer. So because he didn't want, he didn't want Ned to see him. Mm-hmm. So but it, it, it there's could also go, some, there's some other things. Way. There's some other things in there as well that kind of made me believe that. Um, well, one, they said this movie starts immediately after Avengers Endgame. Okay. <laughs> you're just back from oblivion what do you want to do i want to go to paris well i'm gonna get i'm going to guess that there's something involved because like people don't seem overly concerned about half of everyone disappearing and back like this you know this and then returning yeah so i'm guessing there'll be some time travel situation going on but that's zombies zombies maybe Probably some zombies. zombies we're not there yet so how awesome would that movie series be i want to see blackest night or marvel zombies or marvel zombies I don't know. I think it's it's like it's possible because it does. It did seem a little weird to have him show up, but you never know because you never know with these some of these trailers. You know, some of them mm-hmm. they time shift things, and sometimes you'll see a trailer and it turns out that the person in the trailer wasn't was only like a subsequent villain or it was a villain that was introduced at the end or something like that. So, um, yeah, that's I've I'll see it. That was my favorite movie of last year, I believe, of two years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, it seems like I just saw that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because you did. I, I do have one other little quick thing. Uh, the Who okay. did announce that they are going to release their first studio album in 13 years. The Who? The, yes. The yeah. Who. Not 69. yes. The Who. Who's on first? I don't know. I, uh, I've i never seen The Who live. I'm, you know, if they if they come around this way, I might have to go see them because they are going to tour. And they said it is most likely their last tour because they're like, what, 71 or something? Yeah. yeah you want to you see them? Putter around the stage on uh, on walkers and stuff. I've heard they still put on a good show, but I don't know. Like this about someone told me that they saw them about ten years ago. Actually, it's probably a little more now, and they still put on a good show. They're gonna get out it's there funny. and leave really the shit out of that show. I doubt nah. that. I don't think. Yeah, Roger Daltrey wouldn't do that. He would actually beat the hell out of anyone that suggested it. But he did say something along the lines of, "Well, you know, my voice isn't gonna last forever, especially with that that scream that he does. You know, mm-hmm. the the one that they you hear at the beginning of the CSI shows." Mm-hmm. Can only do that so many times. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I meant, I meant that they would do the singing, and that they would have somebody else go out there and do the, do yeah. the active part. Wow, he hasn't aged at all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, any other news? Shall we shut down the news and move on to our topics? Roger oh. Daltrey is seventy four. God, wasn't he on American Idol? No, <laughs> no I don't think so. Rob knows things about music. I think it was better when he was just saying 69 over and over again. Well, now he's going wasn't, to. Wasn't Daughtry on? on yes, that, that, yes, oh. Daughtry, not Daughtry. Oh, I see, I almost know things about music. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm going to start out our topics here with a little show called Gotham. 
Hmm. How is it this year? Because I didn't, I didn't like the whole premise to begin with, and so I haven't watched any of it. Okay, so I watched, I've watched all of the seasons straight through. The first season, I didn't. I was like, "What are they trying to do here?" Like, I really was like, "Huh." Like, I'm never a big fan of showing your hero as kind of a kid or your villain as a kid. It just, I don't know, it just kind of screws things up. Well, I mean, it makes it it makes it seem like a CW show. Like, they're just trying to get... Yeah. You know what I mean? And then somewhere in season two, I believe, they really kind of found themselves, and they just started to lean into the crazy. And, like, I think it was somewhere along the lines of, you know, we, as comic readers or Batman fans, we know who Barbara Gordon is. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, depending on the, the era, it's either Commissioner Gordon's wife or daughter, or wife and daughter. I think there's sometimes like a a thing there. <laughs> Not like the, the the same name, but different people, obviously. Uh... <laughs> you know, like, like, Gord, like uh, Junior. Not like I'm incest not, or anything. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the beginning of Gotham, it starts off where Barbara Gordon comes in as his fiance. Then she goes a little crazy and there's kind of a lesbian love triangle. And I'm like, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden she like freaks out and and murders her own parents. This is like season two or season one. I'm like, what are you doing with this this character that everyone knows? And then I was like, you know what? They're just having fun. You know, having the Riddler as someone that used to work at the GPD, having... I've always li- really liked their penguin where he's kind of like this conniving behind the scenes person, you know, cause the, the penguin in the comics was this kind of round guy with parasols and it didn't really make sense that he would ever be big enough to take on Batman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they really, they just made a lot of changes, you know, even with Bruce Wayne, I have many, I'm so young and just the, the timelines of stuff. But anyway, this season deserves to be talked about. It's season five. It is called year zero. It is sort of a reboot. And at the end of season four, they basically blew up all of the bridges connecting Gotham City with the mainland. So kind of like Dark Knight Rises. And they started off the season and they kind of explained what is going on. There are different areas and territories that have been taken over by different villains or crazy people. And whenever you get to show me like a map of areas and like, oh, this area is controlled by Poison Ivy. Don't go there. This area is controlled by... uh, the mutants in this area over here is controlled by this gang and penguin and the GPD. I'm like, Oh, I'm in like, I could look at those maps forever. I do it. You know, I remember it in comic books and almost like in the game, right? Yeah. It's a lot like, like the game. Um, it, for people that aren't familiar with Batman lore, this is based on the no man's land story, which all dark Knight rises was as well. If you want a kind of a tonal idea of what the show is like, it, it's a lot like Escape from New York in this case. And the reason I finally got into the show and decided it was on the cusp of being not something I was going to watch for a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. When I finally realized this is just a darker take on the the crazy 60s Batman where you stop asking why and just enjoy it. It became easily the show I would watch immediately when I saw it on my DVR. Because I'm never a watch it. I'm never a sit down at a certain time and watch something. I may do my have my life and then go to bed and watch something kind of person. So just some of the stuff that has happened already. It's only been two episodes this year. Uh, Catwoman was just a, a young cat bur- burglar about the same age as Bruce Wayne in this. Uh, she gets shot. She almost dies. Poison Ivy helps her. And at the end of, I think, episode two, she revives and her eyes have now like glow like a cat's and have like this single line. So she became Catwoman. Uh, Poison Ivy is like this 
quote unquote witch that's you know killing people in what would be Central Park, but not really Central Park. Okay. Got that. You've got um, Barbara Keene, who would have been Barbara Gordon, but isn't. She has like a club area. She's got one of the territories. Um, the Penguin basically immediately took over an ammunition factory or built an ammunition factory. So he's kind of like the weapons runner and he's trading weapons for food or favors, that kind of thing. Um, yes, that would get you a lot of ammo. Uh, the Scarecrow basically has like this kind of warehouse area and it's all and they are basically crucifying people and just doing creepy experiments on them. Uh, there's a death cult dedicated to the Joker and you kind of the Joker's kind of in it, but he hasn't really done much yet a little bit. But uh, Bruce Wayne is there. He's basically set to become Batman very soon, but he's been calling in supply runs from Wayne Enterprises since the government has completely ignored Gotham. It's just, it's really fun. Uh, they're introducing a bunch of new villains this year. Uh, they they're, they introduced Mother, who's basically a woman that's controlling a bu- like all the orphans of Gotham that were left there and sending them out on missions like for her. She's a bad guy, obviously. Uh, Man Bat is from the comics, you know, scientist that accidentally turned himself into a half man, half bat. He's in there. Uh, the mutant leader is there. And did you read Dark Knight Returns? No. So Dark Knight Returns, the the one of the biggest Batman comic stories ever. If you haven't read it, anyone out there, read it like immediately. Stop like hang, just turn this off right now. Go get it by Frank Miller. It's really good. It it basically changed comics forever in like the mid eighties and introduced a character like called a group of characters called the mutants. This were basically a gang of like spiky headed dudes that were like Cyclops goggles basically. And the mutant leader is this big giant guy. He he was an actor that just a massive dude who like put himself on Instagram and said, I'm about to film this thing, but got that. Um, so interesting that of course you have the penguin, Riddler, Joker, Joker, um, Joker. Uh, they're going to introduce magpie, which is the first magpie is actually the first villain after I think crisis when they kind of reintroduced Superman and Batman to the comic world. I think magpie was the first character that they did. And she was, the she's basically fascinated with shiny objects. So she's like a jewelry thief. Mm hmm. But after she like steals the, I think what she does is she steals the jewelry and then like replaces them with like bombs or whatever. So when they, you know, so they pull up killing the people that had them before. Very weird looking character in the comics. He's like big angled, like old lady glasses and like hair that looks like a bird. Kind of strange, but they're introducing her. So it's an interesting show. Sounds kind of batshit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It really actually is. It's like I said, if you guys, you guys have to lean into the fact that they're just, this stands on its own. It's not. Batman lore is not tied into the movies. It's not tied into the comics. It's not tied into any books. It is its own story, and it's five seasons of a a fun story. And you know, it's really the dark version of that 1960s Batman show. If you look at it like that, crazy crap's going to happen. People, characters are going to be created in ways that didn't happen before. Mm-hmm. And you can't be caught up on that. Like you can't be caught up on like, well, how did? You know, why is Bruce Wayne no Catwoman before there are adults, or why is? this happening why it did i don't know i think bruce Wayne might have actually killed someone at some point like things like that like don't get caught up in that just look at it as its own story do not worry about any sort of canon and you'll enjoy the show because it's fun okay and that brings us to the night eats the world yeah i have a question for you guys do you guys ever go on to netflix or amazon and you see the recommended for you you know maybe you've watched haunting of hell house and it's like check out this movie they're like z nation or you know there's one called resort Resort. yeah yeah i've seen resort yeah i've actually watched resort 
I did that today, actually, after I got done watching the last 10 minutes of The Night Eats the World. I was the last thing I watched before that was the documentary uh, on the lighted stage or beyond the lighted stage about Rush, mm-hmm. which is awesome. It's so good. Mm. It's also amazing how Canadian that band is. That band is they're so Canadian. Can't listen to Getty Lee, man. You might want to watch it. Like there is some live stuff, but it's it's interspersed with a lot of conversation. I'll but, just mute it. Yeah. Beyond that, so because of I watched that, I was like, you know what? Let's see what other documentaries it's going to suggest for me. And there is a David Bowie documentary on Netflix right now. Ooh. Is it the last five years? Because that came out on HBO, and I really want to see that. Uh, it's not that. If this one is like a, I think this is a BBC produced thing about like his whole life. I think it came okay. out in 2016. All right. And it's, uh, mind you, I was, you know, <laughs> I had to go to bed and have weird dreams about being in Syracuse, which is a whole other story. Uh, but it, I, I did start watching it and um, it looked pretty good and it showed some oh. old footage Ooh. where they were interviewing him and stuff. And it, it's very weird seeing someone that's like a rock god, like an, like ethereal rock god being interviewed by people mm-hmm. because you're like, because he's really polite about it because he's, you know, British and it was before he was huge. And the guy's like, you know, when you come back to England, there's going to be a lot of changes in the pop seat, pop. What are you going to do? And he's like, I guess I'll change. Like, it's like you, you would think that he would like snap back the way it was asked. Mm-hmm. But it was it was interesting. I mean, well, maybe I'll we'll cover it at some point later on. But I think we should. Anyway, back to zombies. So, yeah, the question is, you guys just look at those and you're like, oh, God, another mm-hmm. one. You know, that's that's how I feel. And that's how I felt about The Night Eats the World. Uh, the cover, it's a guy like dangling over a bunch of zombies. It looks very World War Z where they're kind of piled up and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But I got to say, this is probably one of the most original in the genre I've seen since Cargo. Yeah, it was, you know, you, you texted us. I watched it. Rob watched it. So it and it was not your regular zombie movie. Mm hmm. It was it was slower paced. Yep. But it was fa- fascinating at the same time. I ki- I kind of viewed it as the castaway of zombie movies. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so and what we mean by that is the movie focuses on one person. It doesn't focus on the zombies, it doesn't focus on a group of survivors. It focuses on one man who has um isolated himself into an apartment building. Um, basically he's gone over to retrieve some cassette tapes from his girlfriend who's having a total rager, which I'm not allowed to say cause I'm too old, but he, she's being real dodgy and he's just like, just give me my damn tapes. And she goes there in the room down the hall. And he goes and locks himself in the room. He locks the door for some reason, but wakes up and the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> the zombie apocalypse has happened. So he gets up, um, Proceeds to clear out the building uh, with the exception of one or maybe a couple of zombies that he leaves alone for a little while and proceeds to just stay there. So, you know, you're, you're watching um, what happens to his mental health over time. They never really say exactly how much time, but he does grow facial hair and shave it and grow it again. And grow it again. So it, it well, you see the the chart on the window. They don't say it, but you can. Oh yeah, that's true. He does if, draw a chart on a window. If you wanted to be real particular, you could go count the X's, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he does cover like all the windows, mm-hmm. or now, at least one very large one. You don't see the zombies for a while in that movie, like right? Yep. Like no, you, no, you, uh, no, you, because you see they're on immediately. the steps when he closes the door. Oh yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. You don't see him in like horde form. 
Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, you don't see him wandering around outside for a while. No, yeah, no. And and the thing that made me think it was like Castaway was because while you don't see the zombies, you also don't hear him talk or anything for large portions of the movie. Mm-hmm. And when he finally needs to talk, it's basically to a, an old zombie guy. Mm-hmm. It would be basically the Wilson of the movie. Yeah, pretty much. It's a good In point. In fact, I, th- I think the first thing that, that you actually hear him say after after the zombie apocalypse happens, because, of course, he's talking at the party trying to get his tapes. But the first thing that he actu- that you actually hear him say is... Um, 69! No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's 69. what he said. <laughs> wow, this I movie would- took a very weird turn. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I was gonna say it was when he poked his head down into the um into the old people's apartment, but no, it was when he was when he saw the girl sitting on the stairs. Yeah, I think he says the door, and then I he didn't he, say anything again until he poked his head down into the old people's apartment. Yeah, I thought he said honey, but her name is Fanny, so he says Fanny, and that's mm-hmm. when she turns and comes after him. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, my my notes. This movie, as it builds up, my notes kind of took some turns. I was taking notes on it, of course, for this. Mm-hmm. And, like My thoughts were like, wow, you don't see this, the zombie horde in the street. You haven't seen many zombies outside. So it's like, it's not on our regular notes, but it, like I put down like maybe all of this is in his head because you don't see stuff outside. Maybe he's just you know, waking up from a bad thing. or maybe. And then for a while, it was like, we never really saw any zombies get shot until you could see, you would see him shooting out like through a window or you'd see shooting like that. And then those notes kind of got changed as things progressed in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's another way. It's not really like your average zombie movie. It's not just like a straight up. Okay. There's zombies here. Time to blow off heads. It's we need to build up to certain things. Yeah. And I think he's just waiting for rescue and just, you, you watch the majority of the, of the movie is, is watching how he's passing the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, there's one part where I thought was really interesting. He goes into somebody's apartment and finds a paintball gun. I'm like, what the hell are you going to do with that? Yeah, I thought that too. So what he does is from these photos that he's collected from these apartments, he, he's marking his neighbors. Um, not for any particular reason. It's just something to do. It's a game. Yeah. It's something to keep him occupied. And, uh, there's only so much you can do before losing your mind and i didn't understand i mean i know that maybe it's very significant for some people but the the significance of of like all of the weird music stuff that he did like like turning that whole kitchen into like this this freaking band where he goes over to the to the tape recorder and he plays something and it's just like a couple of beats and it basically turns the kitchen into an into a uh into a uh, airing of stomp or something. That's actually like, what I said. I said that yeah. the the movie occasionally becomes an OK Go video. Very true. Where uh, I don't know if you remember Rob the OK Go videos, but like they used to do like these crazy videos with paint and uh, Rube Goldberg devices, and they did the the treadmill video mm-hmm. and like weird instruments. But yeah, stomp is basically what it's the same. Yep. So it's I mean it's shot pretty well. Um, it it looks good. I, I think it's always fascinating when they show uh, a big city like this takes place in Paris, mm-hmm. um, which we talked about in the Spider-Man trailer. But mm-hmm. uh, I always think it's fascinating how they clear out a city for, you know, such a busy city, like in 28 days later, I mean, even a small part of Paris, mm-hmm. you know, but um Pretty cool movie overall. If if you've seen, there's a, a movie called uh, Rambok 
Berlin Undead. It's not a very huge time investment. It's only like an hour and six minutes. It's kind of along the same premise, but this is definitely not a ripoff on it. And uh, I think a, a very, it came out in 2018. I think it's a very welcome addition to the zombie genre. It's not going to breathe new life into it because I don't think anybody needs that. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly worth checking out, in my opinion, if you've been kind of like, oh, zombies, you know, like everybody else has. Now, there, there is one other kind of part with this that there is a there is another person that shows up. Yep. There was a thought that I had that as we were prepping the show yet again, that came up. And so he's a, alone in his place. There is some some loneliness and whatever. And then all of a sudden, someone comes to his door, and he shoots that person through the door with the shotgun that he has. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. So my thought on that was, first of all, um, I thought they actually got the shotgun part right as to what it looks like when it hits the door. Because if you notice, there's separate little holes kind of around mm-hmm. the center mass. Yeah. Which yep, every other time they do a shotgun, it, like the, a giant like cartoonish hole blows out in the door, and that's it. So I thought that well, was and it really it really depends upon the load because a slug would would put the giant cartoonish hole in the door. Gotcha. And then, uh, of course, the person themselves is is torn up and has a little, you know, almost like birdshot mm-hmm. in her, you know, like the, the individual pellets. Mm-hmm. So he, of course, goes to work and trying to save this person who was, in fact, not a zombie and was, I believe, one of his neighbors. Correct. Um, uh not one of his immediate neighbors. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she was one of them. Maybe a building neighbor, like another building, not. That. Yeah, because she was saying that she went from building top to building top, mm-hmm. and she had well s- stayed with other people. Yeah. Well. Yeah, well, yeah. Um. So I thought, and he immediately goes to work trying to fix her. So my thought was like, okay, I wonder like how feasible it is for someone with no medical training, which, and like, oh, if only I could ask Rob about this. So someone takes a shotgun, what was about, he was about 10 feet away from the door. It went through the door and it hit her in the stomach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> any chance that a layman is going to save that person or any, or even a, a doctor or nurse with, with no medical backup. It, it really depends upon the, the blow that she took from the shotgun. I mean, if the shotgun penetrated her abdomen and tore up her insides a little bit, chances are she's going to at the very least die from infection. Okay. From all of but, just the, gut bacteria and whatnot right but just pulling out just and i was watching that scene and he's just pulling out the pellets and i'm like that's not gonna do any what are you doing that's just gonna make her bleed worse i mean it it most i mean it might it you know maybe she won't get lead poisoning i i'm not even sure that that's a thing but (laughs) um he's pulling out the little pellet she's bleeding all over the place but he's not doing anything about it and i'm like what are you doing she's gonna die and she comes in the next scene and i'm like oh all right so we're suspending disbelief walking too like she's walking in the next scene she's like oh i'm weak but i'm okay and i'm like no you're not like i tried to do some sit-ups the other day i couldn't walk for three days (laughs) it's like much less you know take bullets to the the abdomen yeah so i got to the end and i'm like oh well there you go (laughs) yeah so (laughs) there are a couple of glaring oversights other than that, what did you guys think? I was riveted. I mean, it was it was a oddly enough a quiet movie. Mm-hmm. It was, and until he started playing the drums. Well, yeah, it was quiet yeah, except for that. And and again, there were I mean things like that. I just did not understand. I mean, and and I guess I mean a lot of it is is you can you can uh, you can write a lot of it off to his uh, to his fracturing psyche. But 
I mean, how long can you be alone before you go crazy? I don't know. You sounded really ominous when you said that. <laughs> I don't know. Rob's like, I've only been alone in my house for an hour and a half, and I'm already starting to go crazy. 69. <laughs> uh, but the, the cat part was super suspenseful. And I had converted. And I didn't understand why in the hell he ran outside for that stupid cat. Uh, he was desperate for attention. Yeah, desperate for companionship. And then yeah. it turned out the cat was basically a fan of the zombies. <laughs> it was a zombie so, cat. Yeah, wouldn't you be? Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't show him shoot the cat if, in fact, he did shoot the cat. I'm not sure. He was, the cat was just like weaving in and out of the feet of the, the zombies. And I choose to believe he did not. Yes. It was interesting on that front. Like, I maybe budgetarily. That happened. You know, maybe they did this based on budget, but they very until the very end, until the stairs, they really didn't show any any headshots or anything like that. He, anytime they showed him shoot, it was just from his perspective, not yeah, from what was getting was hit. Awesome, by the way, um, where the woman on the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was actually because you hadn't seen it, it had a lot more impact. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was on Amazon Prime. Yes. Do we have anything else to say about the night eats the world? I do not. Okay. Though I can't find the book in English. Well, you're going to have to learn to read in French. That's right. I did want to talk about one other thing, and that is True Detective Season 3. Okay. Um, I haven't seen one or two. Are they worth watching? One, yes. Two, no. Okay. Each, uh, so Jimmy's not here right now. He did step away to see a movie, as we said earlier. But he, he loves Season 1. He also does not like Season 2. And season three came out. It was weird because I started seeing a bunch of articles about it and I didn't put two and two together that it was actually coming out. And then I saw some other article that was like episode one and two were really good. It was like, wait, what did you like see a pre-screening? And then I realized, oh crap, I missed it. So I think they did a, a, some sort of uh, reveal or some sort of thing where they play two episodes in a row or something along those lines. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. I'm not entirely sure because I watched it on demand, but it is back to form. If you guys saw season one and really liked it. And then season two was kind of a mess. It was, they moved it from the South Southern, you know, Southeast America to Los Angeles. And there was, it was, it didn't have, it didn't have something. And I think it got too convoluted, whatever. Uh, Season three is really stripped down. One of the cool things about true detective is they, it's, it's almost like a true crime show in the fact that they show different time periods. Mm -hmm. So like season one, for example, showed the results of this crazy killer much later in the police's career, but it also showed them as partners just starting out. It showed them and that was Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey. Right. But in season three, the, uh, the two leads are uh, Mahershala Ali and, oh shoot. Um, uh, Steven Dorff, who unrecognizable, by the way, Steven, do you remember Steven Dorff? He was, um, he was in blade. He was the villain in blade. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, honestly, since that point, I hadn't really seen him in anything except for a commercial for like a, one of those, I think it's called blue. It's like one of those fake cigarettes where he's like, I'm an actor and I like to smoke, but it screws up my voice. And I use this thing instead. Like that's all I'd seen him in, but he was like, and it's set in Arkansas now. And the genius of this show is Mahershala Ali's performance is spectacular. And it made me actually look at my list from 2018 of like actors of the year and be like, crap, how did I not put him on there? Cause he was, you know, wonderful as the prowler voice wise he was he was in something else that year too and i forget what but he was great but he might actually end up in my next year best of list because of this performance um he plays the young up-and-coming cop who is willing to do whatever to 
basically get you know confessions out of people the, the whole story is that a boy and a girl disappear in the 80s in in arkansas they're riding their bikes they disappear marshall ali was a spotter or a finder or whatever in vietnam so he's able to track down where they where this kid was and they find the boy dead and the girl is missing the other sequence of the story is in the 90s when the girl turns up alive but she's a bank robber in some other state and they find her fingerprint on the crime scene and like she's alive and so it like pulls him back into the case that he thought well she's just dead and they missed her you know and then the other part of it is like current times he is a very old man dealing with some of the fallout of this stuff his he has a relationship with his son his wife who was a school teacher in the first era of this the 80s a crime writer in the 90s writing about this story and is i think passed away i can't really tell but there's pictures of her in the house and he looks at them longingly in this in the current times and i think he's going through some dementia issues but the acting is amazing hmm. okay um like it's it's the dementia issue thing i'm guessing because at the end of season two things get very weird and you see him basically standing on the corner of this small town like this they show you the the they kind of do the weird angle shot of like the sign that you see the intersection it's like just like a residential area and they cut down to him and he's kind of just standing there in the middle of the street, like in his bathrobe, like looking confused. So I'm guessing that he's going through some stuff and having dementia, but kind of remembering aspects of the case that he didn't solve um, is my guess. I'm not sure where they're going with it. Okay. But you know, it's uh it's an interesting take and it feels right. The acting is great. And you know, just season one, I think we talked about the, uh, the long form shot, like the uninterrupted shot through like the ghetto of, mm-hmm. of uh, Louisiana. And the reason, one of the reasons True Detective was so good was because of the the cinematography and things like that. And they really got back to it here. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. I really hope they stick the landing because that's one of the things that season two did not do. Like, I wish I could describe season two more, but I can't. I don't remember it. It's, it was too weird. Hmm. And the fact that it wasn't weird, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's like these little dolls in season three. Like, that's your kind of creepy thing that they, they keep on finding at Cream Scene. Cri- cream Scenes. Crime Cream Scenes. <laughs> Yes, wow these little, like dolls 69 yeah, <laughs> but so that's out if you have hbo or hbo go check out uh season three of course if you want to check out season one uh you can probably get that on blu-ray i'll put up the link for that on our, our page and you can you know check that out through amazon that brings us to our give me five question of the week and this is an interesting one this is going to be a different type of question where it's going to be more of a discussion mm-hmm Except Rob is all of his answers are going to be sixty nine. Sixty nine. Uh, we are not ranking things this time based on favoritism, favoritism, or what's the best or the worst. We are going to rank things based on time. And our question is going to be: What are the biggest like evolutions of the idea of zombieism or zombies in film and possibly TV? throughout the years. So it's going to be more of a time sensitive list. Mm-hmm. And so I think for number one, okay, uh, we, we got to start at the beginning. Yes. And that beginning, the introduction of what we uh, come to know as the modern zombie, though you could say George Romero, who shows up later on this list, uh, did modernize it. But the first representation of the zombie in film was from the movie White Zombie. It came out in 1932. Yeah, uh, Victor Halperin 
basically this the movie White Zombie it's about a guy that goes to like a voodoo island mm-hmm. and you could say it's a little bit sexist or whatever, but he wants a woman to fall in love with him. So he tries to get her turned basically into a brainwashed slave mm-hmm. and you know, uses witch doctors and to to mind control this person. So this is actually the first idea of a zombie other than in mythology and lore. Uh, there was an idea of zombies on Car- Caribbean islands. And there's apparently, I don't know if this is true or not, but there's a sea, arch, a sea urchin toxin that basically leaves people up to susceptible to being mind controlled that they like that witch doctors or whatever you want to call them. I don't know if that's offensive or not, but would use. So there is historically conversations about what a zombie is, but this is a a living zombie, not a dead rotting zombie. But that that's kind of my start point. And I think Jimmy uh, probably had the same one. I did. Um, Initially, the very first one that a lot of people are going to think of that I thought of was Night of the Living Dead, the father yes. of the modern. Right. And and that would that would be the one that that I actually started with um, as I was unfamiliar with White Zombie. Um, but Night of the Living Dead is kind of like the, the grandfather of them all. It's the, mm-hmm. the footprint or the blueprint, if you will, for all modern day zombies. Mm-hmm. The, and the that... shambling zombie, the people yeah. trapped. Mm hmm. So that's going to make number two, Night of the so that, Living Dead. So depending on your definition of zombie, that could be one or two. For for our definition of it, it, it has fallen at number two. But I think all of us wrote it down first at first, and then yep. we did the research. Uh, this is also one of the – one of the other things I found when looking up evolution of zombies and stuff, which was kind of interesting, was a lot of people based it on what when the movie came out. And Night of the Living Dead was uh, – just like the thing and a couple other horror movies from years ago about communism and like the advance of communism and the fear of the unknown and that kind of thing and people getting turned by communists being around them and stuff. So a lot of these come come based on fears of external stuff because the people that write the movie is that's that's for allegory. Mm-hmm. So number three was kind of up in the air. It was. This was a this was an interesting one. Yeah, very interesting. So I think first we had Dawn of the dead we did and uh actually it was day of the dead um that i had um and i had day of the dead because it introduced communication and memory retention yeah so that's you know i had i had dawn of the dead until rob texted Mm -hmm. like saying well maybe that's not the best one and part of that was the evolution thing where this became zombies as a metaphor for un for uncontrolled consumerism of course it takes place in a mall it also, and my other thing was just the appearance of the zombie because this was the first color zombie movie that I know of. Yep. They added blood and rotting and the zombies were kind of bluish green, but that was more on the film side of things, not the character side of things. Uh, Rob, what did you come up with? Um, well, mine were, mine were um, more recent. Um, so as far as, if you're looking for a timeline, mine aren't going to be for a little bit. My, my next one in the timeline, I think is probably your number four. Okay. Gotcha. So, but after doing a little more research, what the the other thing I thought of was like, when did they come into, you know, there was always eating flesh, but it was, was it always eating brains? And you always hear zombie brains, uh, you know, right. I have t-shirts that say it. Mm-hmm. Rob says it all the time when he's not saying what? 69. Thank you. <laughs> so what, what'd you get, Jimmy? Jimmy did this research on the fly for you nice listeners out there. I did. And that's, it's a surprising one. It's Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised about that too. I like that movie. 
fact, so, I just watched it three months ago. Yeah, it scared the hell out of me when I was when I was little. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fun zombie movie. It is, unless you're you know five year old Jimmy. Yeah, you've got like weird different types of zombies. Um, you've got Tar Man, uh, who's the the zombie that's like covered in in hot tar, comes out and says brains. Mm-hmm. And that might be the first instance of a zombie hunting brains. Yep. So a very interesting pick. Um, so, you know, I, I could make a strong argument for, for Day of the Dead there, but uh, this is, I think this is bigger in the sense that you always see zombies now. You don't see them communicating with each other, but you always see them going after brains. Mm-hmm. So, yep, number three. Moving on uh, to number four. So our number four, and I think Rob's had this a little higher, yep. I'm guessing. Yeah. So oh, we'll go ahead. That's It's going to be my personal favorite zombie movie, which is 28 Days Later. So amazing. It, oh, it, one, one it, I believe it was the first one or the, the movie that incorporated the fast-moving zombies. I but, believe it was as well. But it was also the first movie that presented these the zombie apocalypse, if you will, in a plausible light as opposed to just, you know, the reanimated dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the first movie that I remember that really brought it in as maybe this is a virus that right. caused it. Maybe it's a mutation of another virus or maybe it's mm-hmm. the, most of the other one that just kind of happened. Yeah, so it was it was a form of rabies or something, right? Is that 28 Days Later or is that uh, World War Z? That was 28 Days Later. Rage is 28 Days Later. Yeah. Okay. Well, like a a form of rabies. Like I vaguely remember something like saying like, oh, well, it's kind of like rabies or like they did it to try to cure rabies. I thought there was something like that in one of these movies, but maybe it's been a while. Yeah, it has. Rob, do you recall that? I'm sorry. Say that. Do you recall the rabies connection? Um, They they thought it in – it, well, in a lot of zombie movies, they they initially call a zombie outbreak where people are starting to turn into zombies rabies, um, like like it's spreading rabies. Mm-hmm. The I don't believe it was in Twenty Eight Days Later. I don't think they ever called it rabies. I think they called it the Rage Virus. Mm-hmm. I think they called because they set it up from the beginning to be the Rage Virus. Um, but it, I guess it's possible in the initial outbreak that at some point you heard a news story where they called it rabies. But I think in a lot of zombie movies, they refer to the outbreak of zombieism as rabies. Okay. Yeah. But this definitely the fast moving zombies, the first time you saw one was like, Oh shit, mm-hmm. these bastards can run. And there's a, I, I think one of the first images I saw from the movie was the main character being chased by a zombie that was on fire running <laughs> I, hate when, I totally hate when that happens it's just like oh god you know you've pictured them you're like yeah they don't move very fast i can get away from them and hell no these ones run Nah, oh, man i'm laying down and saying come on i ain't even gonna try and survive jimmy wants to be eaten so something that brings us up to number, f- number five and this one is possibly up for ar- for argument uh, we had you know what they eat what they look like what they are they alive or dead? Fast, you know, fast moving, all that stuff. Yeah. And here's I think- what I had real quick. And just to kind of throw these out there for, um, you know, argument purposes, um, World War Z, uh, zombies moving together as one as a giant, like a hive mind. Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, the movie wreck, 
which I think was a, um, a, a definite found footage kind of breakthrough. Um, and it, we eventually saw it in America as quarantine. Mm-hmm. Wreck is so much better. See, wreck. That's so funny. We just had basically a conversation that was just, that just happened on the, uh, last podcast on the left, but we're better wreck, than that. It's, it's wreck. Me. Yeah, right. It's wreck, <laughs> uh, REC, like record, because it's mm-hmm. about a VHS tape or, right. It's all on a VHS tape. From the director of one of the movies we talked about, uh, on this podcast, Veronica, um, I would definitely check out, uh, the movie Wreck. It, I think it's scary. It's isolated. Um, yeah. It's, uh, directed by Paco Plaza. I have, I have two other submissions though. Um, one, one is not so much, um, a, a zombie, um, evolution, but it is, it is more of a film evolution because it's one of the first ones that I remember where they actually tried it and it worked. And, and that is presenting the zombie movie as a comedy. And that would be Shaun of the Dead. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, that, that was definitely an evolution in, in the genre of the zombie movie, but not necessarily in the, in the lore of the zombies themselves. Yeah. Um, it could be, that's also kind of zombie as a uh, target practice. Right. It's like zombie as, as entertainment in a way. Right, right, right. Um, but the, the one that I will submit as the, um, as the evolution in the lore of the zombies would be something along the lines of warm bodies or the TV show, I zombie in that zombies not only maintain speech capability, but they also maintain their reasoning skills. Um, uh, that's and, actually, those are good ones actually. And, and actually, actually warm bodies introduced the concept that zombieism, I guess we'll call it zombieism is a disease that could be cured. And then on top of that, it also, it also, um, it also illustrated the whole zombies eating brains so that they can receive memories. So there, there's a number of things that actually happened in both of those movies that were all added to the zombie lore. The, the eating of the brains to absorb memories of the people of the brains that they eat, uh, a la iZombie or even warm bodies. Um, zombies also being Also around to- this time was a, there's a movie called Fido, which about like a pet zombie that could be kind of controlled in a, mm-hmm. in a different kind of way as that too. Right. I actually kind of, it, this actually changes it up. Um, Jimmy, what do you think about that? Cause I actually kind of like that is the, the evolution of the zombie kind of ending where there are people with the disease that they're technically dead, but they're still. I, I will absolutely 100% agree with that. There was a little bit of that at the end of Shaun of the Dead as well. Um, and he's keeping them in the, the garage and playing video games and stuff. Yeah. And they're, and they're maintaining their ability to work and do menial tasks because it was something that they did in life. Um, the other one we had on the list, which is obviously a big one, uh, our, at first, we thought our number five was going to be Walking Dead, and that was kind of the idea of the the zombie horde. Mm-hmm. Um, it being a long form show, which allows you to see the zombies slowly rotting, starving, getting you know weathered and whatever. But that is also a byproduct of the the show versus the actual zombie. And I think that I Zombie is actually a better answer there. I am fine with that. Yeah. Bodies, yeah. I, zomb- yeah. I, I would submit both of them. I zombie and warm yeah. bodies. I zombie sla- kind of- slash warm bodies. Yeah, I zombie would also present the same things. Yeah. So I, I think I would go with that. So sh- should we close this one down, this discussion? Sure. I think we can. So uh, number one, white zombie from 1932. Try to track that down. I have not seen that yet. I actually want to. 
I have not seen it either. Night of the Living Dead. You can find that anywhere. It's been in public domain for years. So it's it's available on uh, iTunes, whatever. Uh, Return of the Living Dead. Kind of a comedy. Zombies eating brains. 28 days later. Oh shit, they can run. Yep. And then iZombie, the zombie as disease, a friend with a the disease. They're dead, but not dead. And they're just able kind to, of hiding. Able to retain reasoning and whatnot. Yeah. They're not mindless creatures, and they are using their, their zombie almost as a superpower. Yeah. So I think that's that. I know you guys out there are zombie fans, and you guys probably have opinions. So make sure that you uh, contact us and let us know what you think. Please do. Stop me. Yes, you can definitely send us your choices. Let us know what you think about our zombie list, or if you have any, if you have any suggestions that you think we forgot, you can reach out to us and you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod, or you can also uh, email us, or you can also email us directly, Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And guys, as always, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps us stand out and it helps more people find us. You know, Rob, I was reading last night, and do you know that podcasts are a seven to eight billion dollar industry? Sixty nine in uh, China. Sixty nine. Yeah. So one, we are going to have to translate our podcast into uh, was it Mandarin? I believe sixty nine. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, one way you guys can help us is by going onto our Amazon link, which is available on our Libsyn page. And if you use that link, takes a little bit of money from Amazon, which is a more than a $8 billion industry, mm-hmm. and sends a little bit of that money to us to help us pay for server space and to pay for, uh, I guess, meds for Rob. Because <laughs> I need them. So thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. And I'm checking in for Jimmy as well. He had to step away to go see that movie. So he's not here for this part. But good afternoon, he also good evening, says and good night. that. And makes Wayne's World comments.